everybody, and welcome back to Board with Fins, episode two. We've done it. We've done it, guys. Catchphrase, catchphrase, catchphrase. Uh, I'm one of your hosts. My name is Tom, but luckily it's not just me, because I've recruited the greatest board gaming minds that I could find free on a Tuesday evening in central Helsinki. But I don't want to undersell them, because they're just that good and available. Uh, I'm joined by Simon and Ita. Hi guys, how are you doing? Hello, I'm doing good. Hi there. Yes, um, I am, am indeed Simon and free on a Tuesday evening. And I that am, is I feel why like, I'm here. I feel like selling me as my availability being one of my better qualities seems oh, a bit. It, it's been that kind of year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if it's availability for sword fighting, then absolutely. Mm. This is fair. If if you turn up to anything, nine out of ten person, I would say in my book, it's like congratulations, you've made it, you're up there. Yeah. The upper echelons of friendship. You've left your house. <laughs> this is entirely fair, especially in Finland. I mean, it's, yeah. well, yes. <laughs> and now I will rant. Well, no, I won't because I'm Finnish. <laughs> 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 I will just, oh. or am I? All right. Oh. The mystery continues into episode two. Mm-hmm. It's not just a meme. So how are you guys doing? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I'm having an absolute nightmare week at work, but I'm holding it together through, I assume, purely caffeine. And purely spite. caffeine. Caffeine and spite, and also Christmas cheer. <laughs> Not to give the game away when we're recording this. Uh, I've been listening to non-stop Christmas songs for this week mm-hmm. at work, just because I'm trying to just get... I'm just forcing cheer into the lab and into my life <laughs> while I finish <laughs> the final things I have to do before Christmas. But they're actually going quite all right. I'm like, I'm having a pretty good week, all things considering. Good stuff. Well, you're probably wondering what the theme of this week is and i'll tell you uh it's the space line special and then something clever about rpg prepping that i didn't put into the title because <laughs> i think we thought of it too late but anyway we're going to be tackling an absolute beast of a game uh well a couple of games actually to do with majestic space operas uh we're going to be talking about twilight imperium uh third edition and fourth edition and then, sorry. No, I was going to say, just in case anyone was wondering what TI was in, because last ge- in last episode, we talked about TI quite a few times without ever actually e- expanding the acronym. Uh, that's also, we also didn't use proper game titles for most of the episode no. as well. It was an absolute harrowing experience to edit that. A uh, lot of mistakes there uh, <laughs> for, for across the board. Thank God we're not on Reddit or anything like we just get sure. decimated. Yeah, but also who the hell makes a podcast first try and gets everything right? It's like we we just it should be us. We we showed up us. talking to each other as we're friends, like the way we usually talk to each other. And that mm. is using like not saying dogs of war or not saying I've played Twilight Imperium fourth edition <laughs> TM. Yeah. Mm. Last weekend and it was great. Again. It's a relaxed approach. Yeah. Relaxed approach. We're not the Dice Tower. We're not everyone's favorite board game reviewer. Is the Dice Tower a thing? I, yeah. Are you joking? No, I'm not. No, it's <laughs> like a huge YouTube like channel. Tom, yeah, Tom Vassell. Yeah, yeah, yeah literally re- never heard the name. Okay, the guy's been wow. reviewing okay. games for like forever. Yeah. It's like... It's even... It's so big that on some board games, you know, there's like the Shut Up and Sit Down recommended stuff yeah. on board games. There's also the Dice Tower recommended huh. one is also... No, like, I've they, definitely heard They're so big that they have a, their own little stamp. I've yeah. definitely heard of like shut yeah. up and sit down, but I've, yeah. okay, I'm clearly like showing my ass as being a complete like. Because one group. day, my dream, like Martin Luther King had a dream, and Ooh, this is gonna go sideways very quickly. <laughs> and I have a dream, and that's that some some board some board game will put like a X out of ten probability 
Nice. On could the we, yeah. on the side of a of we a thing. Do it. Yeah, that's definitely on par with racial equality in the United States. I think we could. board with equivalent dreams. Probability. Yeah. And then like eight out of ten. I don't know why they would put eight out of ten. I guess they wouldn't put a rating. But that's a finished ten out of ten. It is true. You can't. It is true. You can't go above that, surely. Mm. No, there's no way. Four, four out of five. Four out of five. Eight out of ten. Sixteen out of twenty. I can go on. <laughs> Please don't. So Twilight Imperium. Yes. Should we talk about this and our various experiences playing the third edition, which is now a million years old, and then the fourth edition, which I realized is also a million years old now. Is it? Yeah. It's, when it's, did just, it come it's just five years old, I yeah. think. Tw- the, the third edition came out in 2004, so mm. we would have all been like 11, except for Tom. Except yes, I, for I was, me. I was, 10. I was um, 10. You were 10? Well, I was, I was 11, and you were 12? 12? Something? Oh, and I can't tell. Were you joking or is that legitimate? I was actually was 11 in 2004. Maths? Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, uh, dating. We were, all just, podcast, we were all just yeah. 11. Mental, mm-hmm. Mentally, we still are. Mm. Yes. And, and then TI Twilight Imperium 4 came out um, in 2017, I think. Because I It's d- pretty new. I would say I would say the game that came out in 2017 to be still relatively it, new. It so is, but in my mind, it's like a lot more hot and fresh than 2017. Yes, but because we only started playing fourth edition fairly recently again but it has been a long time since we've actually played it pre-covid we started because the first game was at your old place and because i Mm. got it as a gift from miko after we broke up so i did christ well as we have a moment of (laughs) real introspection here in the studio Mm. (laughs) with a passage of time what is time so like (laughs) i think the real question is tom when did you buy the third edition uh i i got it when i was in Australia, and I got it. I think uh, no, I think I got all the expansions secondhand, but I got the the actual base game uh, from a shop. From a shop, mm. uh, and then had it shipped. It's um, it's a beast, yeah. But I, I've had it wa- uh, for a while, but I've never like we played it a handful of times in Australia. Yeah, uh, but it seems the the Finnish gaming crowd can't get enough. Go went a bit bit crazy, bit crazy with Slightly, it. Slightly, yeah. But before we get into like maybe stories and stuff, should we explain what the game is for those uninitiated few? We will attempt. I yeah, think, I mean, broad, broad strokes. Yeah, right. The way I explain it when I tell people that I like, I relatively often tell people that I'm sorry I can't make a thing, make it into a thing because <laughs> I have scheduled 16 hours of yelling at my friends over a board game. This is a recurring theme with basically every game we <laughs> we pick up. But nothing makes us quite as passionate as yeah, Twilight I mean, Imperium. I think like, the 10 hours of drinking also factors in. Maybe um, a bit. Maybe a, a bit. little bit. And also when you tried to do something for 12 hours and then you're just about to do it and then someone ruins it. Yes. Just, you get extra yelling. But that wouldn't, that wouldn't happen. When to, you, when you to tried to do CMR. something for your, or like most of that day was doing this and then yeah. someone goes, nope. But basically every single player plays a different space race and all of those races have asymmetrical powers like we discussed in the last episode how much we like those. Mm-hmm. And you try to win the game by make, getting points and get points by scoring objectives and yeah, basically the fighting is completely unnecessary. But it is also sometimes, like, yeah. yeah sometimes. Most of the time, fighting is completely unnecessary, and yet, what you look when you look at the game itself, you tend to look at oh, there's quite a lot of ships on this board. Yeah. So it's interesting because the setup is um, kind of a hex-based map, and each hex is either planets or empty space. And planets give you resources and votes, so you can build ships, build armies, and fight over planets. Like it's never a good, thi- never a bad thing. Sorry to actually 
expand, fight each other. But what actually wins you the game is usually not that. You have to do like other crazy kind of side quests, accumulate certain wealth, or fight over very specific things. And yeah, the mechanisms are kind of set up that you can't really snowball too hard. You kind of do need some level of diplomacy. You can't just fight the whole table. Unless you're left completely alone for a long while to accumulate resources and then you can just build the biggest fleet in the galaxy and just be like, I have pointed all of my dreadnoughts and my warsons in your direction. Fuck you. But I I think that's a breakdown of diplomacy because that means that someone has ignored me for three hours pointing at that person going, "Look look at the ships, look at the ships he's got. Why won't anyone stop him? Which I think is the real, the real loss. There, that no one listens to me when I see <laughs> the end of days approaching. I do think I, in this table it is usually Simon who doesn't listen to us when someone is being the major threat because what? Simon often sits next to them and is being like on their like on their <laughs> wing. L- listeners, you can't you can't see my face, but I look flabbergasted at these accusations. This I, is you do again. You do have honeyed words that you high you treason. pour into people's ears. Yeah, we're best friends. I, I feel like best friends I'm friends. usually the one that everyone points at. To to tell you to stop the no. person. You point and tell me that I'm in, I'm going to win. Stop me, and I no. have nothing to. I think that you are usually in. Contention. I get I get knee, I get kneecapped in every single game I even try. No, you you get you got kneecapped when you went to Mechatl Rex first round. That's just one game. Yes, and that, that, <laughs> that has was, been that was a long time ago. That has been burnt yeah. into your brain. No, no, it's that's not what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of <laughs> every other time I get to six points before anyone else, and everyone goes, "Well, okay, now no one gives Simon anything anymore," and mm. then and yet someone will do it. No, there's games where I'm the first to six points and I end my game at six points because that's that's all I could get because then the table turns on me. Mm. That has happened several times. But anyway, we're getting slightly, <laughs> yes. sli- we're slightly, getting into, slightly off topic. We're getting into bitterness, yeah. stories of bitterness, yeah. which I love, but maybe we can come back which to it. Which is the game. But I like TI or Twilight Imperium. You can call it TI. Yeah, now, yeah. Now, okay. now we can be all slangy because we um, actually explained like, it. Like, TI is it's not an easily approachable game. God, no. By any by any means, because it has like it has it has everything, and it has the most of most things, and it almost like starts off as one game and then develops into a completely different game. Because as you said, it starts off as these hexes, starting off you're far away from everyone else, and you can just like, oh, the game is just yeah, I'm gonna take some planets, I'm gonna out. build some ships that can carry people, put some people on some planets, get planets, get resources, build more ships, build more things, get some tech, and then oh, it's just a nice little resource gathering like almost area of control game until you sort of realize that oh i actually need that specific planet that someone else has and working out who's actually a threat like because everyone smiles up until the first kind of fight yeah yeah unless you're some people going i'm definitely going to attack you yeah and no <laughs> so one really well. and no one really wants to fight and because it's like a round galaxy like you have two neighbors to yourself two neighbors so like wherever you focus your things they're going to have to react to that and then mm. you're both leaving one flank open to just be like yeah also something for context in this case uh the game can be played by minimum of three three players technically mm-hmm. four yes. players is also a bit small we often play with six people and at the biggest we play with eight yeah we've, eight gets we've had some crazy crazy yeah. games eight gets a bit yeah. cumbersome and I, also i think it's important to note here that we play apparently i've heard from other people that when i talked about ti to other people who also play ti 
we play a very different game than some other people. So it is very like, well, the mechanics are the same. The social dynamics and the diplomacy and how much your fighting goes on and what kind of fighting it is and how early the fighting happens mm. is super, super table specific. And that's also, I think, partially in our case because we played at one point, I think we played about once a month for Dude, like it was a, pretty crazy. almost yeah. a year. And then Corona happened and then we had to stop for a very long time. But like it's unusual that people would get along, like the same core group of people would get together to do it about once a month, 16 hours in a pop. <laughs> was it really that often? Was it I think it was. It was well, I think for a, for a run. I don't know if it was like for a full year, yeah, but yeah, definitely six for months. Yeah, I think we are quite a friendly group when we played as well. I think most people like no one really goes in like cutthroat and go. Yeah, and until it's but it's so risky to be cutthroat. Yeah, yeah. really. Especially, yeah. but I also think like we also there's some something that came up previous episode as well. Like when I said that betrayal is like the last rounds of TI where we figured out who's like who's winning and we try to kneecap that person. Apparently, not in the last game. No, not I that, wasn't not there. That I'm, not that I'm salty about it, but maybe someone should have been kneecapped. I'm not going to name any names. I wasn't I'm there. I'm just going to tell I'm that like, person. You guys have played for the. I think mm. one of the very few games that like you've played in Finland that I wasn't in. I think that's true. You, and maybe yeah, the only one. So maybe, maybe maybe she is the most available person and your introduction was indeed spot on. It <laughs> just, yeah, nailed it. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. Completely accurate. There's a few games I haven't been in. The first game ever. And then, then I think there was a game where neither Tom or I was in. I think whenever I've missed... One time. Well, I usually, I'm usually there for the third edition game because I own it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then if I miss a game, it's usually the fourth there was mm-hmm. one game at my place with fourth edition that neither of you guys were, and I, mm. what I remember that wasn't a very good game because like seeing Tom's like vein pop in the in his forehead is one of the great joys of this game. Yeah, I, every every game brings me closer to death, mm. like taking years off my life, <laughs> just the the hypertension really taking over. Then also the like the different space races have very very different abilities and what they can do. There's like. They can either affect something about the fighting or they can affect something about the diplomacy or order of play or... That's kind of true. Yeah. But is there then like a a sweet spot for asymmetry? So each race kind of is more warlike, like maybe their ships are more powerful, but then other races are more powerful politically. Like other races are more strongly economically focused and some are early game races some are late game races and yeah i do think we've noticed that there are certain races that are very powerful and that have often in our games have won and then there's races Mm. that we hate and think are shit but we're not entirely there's nothing wrong with the winner (laughs) i will throw myself onto the sword to protect the winner they're not they're They're, not fun they're they're just they're just not very good what's the best ice cream flavor correct vanilla they're (laughs) incredibly bland they're incredibly bland as a to be fair i would also say that i I find joel nar to be bland i don't like playing them but they are the one that has won the most games uh but i think that's because we're not aggro because as soon as someone turns to like that was the real in the last game spoilers that was Mm. the joel nar Mm -hmm. and like having a one in ten chance of having your ships hit is a really bad stat yes Like it's it's really bad uh, against the war bugs or anyone. But I do think that like asymmetry is very good, and I have enjoyed tremendously the fact that I could play the kind of races that fit how I play the game. Every time I try to play an asshole like warlike race, I do really badly because that's not my strength. You, uh, yeah, but mm. you it, you get so close to winning, and I think if you were a little bit more aggro, 
Like if you really just went for it, because everyone's like, I mean, you are generally quite a trustworthy person. <laughs> so you like everyone like gives you an inch, you know, every every so often. And then there's always a time where I'm like, now it, do it. <laughs> Strike them and also strike like, them when I, they don't expect it. I, yeah, I also think that people like, even though I've made it very publicly clear that the fact that I always go like, oh no, I have no chance of winning. Look at how badly I have done all of this is completely an act. And also the fact what? that I, and and the what? fact that when I feel I'm, betrayed. And the fact that like, yeah, let's do this for the memes. It would be funny or like you and the memes. Yes, it's usually because the memes somehow help me win. I thought it was for the aesthetic. I it's think that's mm. why. Also fair. Yes. <laughs> I I do remember. I also I agree with what you say, and that you are like you've been closer to winning than maybe you let us see, or mm. than you yourself see. Because no, I feel I, like you would just need to go like mm. the final like gambit of like the last turn. Of, like you just have to go for it, and yeah, then you would I, you would win the. I think I get st- more games. I think uh, I get stuck into the like the, especially the last part of TI when someone is more clearly winning. And mm-hmm. like we need to work together to win, and then I keep forgetting that it's not actually like a group thing. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like Galactic Pilot, this is for the Empire. Yes, you want to be the Emperor race. When I was playing the Empyrean, like this is TI4. Mm. I that game, I think, if I had just been a bit more of an asshole, I would have won hands down. I had mm. like I had been let left to control all of the galaxy. I think, everyone's friend. Yeah. I think friend. I won with the Empyrean when I yeah. played them. That's my last win maybe but like uh, I've, I've only maybe won maybe. one game and that was the first game I ever played yeah I wasn't I wasn't in that game yeah. and it was so you can't blame me for king making yeah. which is apparently now what I'm, what I'm known for yeah yes. apparently it's, yeah, it's yeah new, that's just that, your that reputation to, new, new just, to I, you live to to live, lift uh, greater people the mm. true kingmaker is Ibrahim I mean he's he's a, he's a fun man but uh, also uh, uh, <laughs> win, wins surprisingly often well, often yeah he Ibrahim is the Boris Johnson of Twilight Imperium. You mean he's a sexy man? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That's obvious. But <laughs> I've stunned you with my accuracy. <laughs> <laughs> you have, but also that he—he's the best at sort of just pretending he doesn't know what's going on. He'll—he'll he'll just take all cards, put them in a pile, not even look at them, pretend he doesn't know how to read. Ask every. He's not pretending. Ask every single time is like. Uh, oh, what is is this a ship or is this candy? And we're like, that's a ship. Put that down. Yeah. And like, that's the level of things he does. And like, yet still he wins quite often. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no one is this stupid, especially not this man who's, who is, who is an intelligent man. <laughs> yes, and like socially and very, like yeah. probably the most socially intelligent in it's our an, group. It's a. He, he's well. he's he's incredibly skillful at just winning by pretending he's an absolute moron. And I and I respect that, but also sometimes it backfires. He just helps someone else win. He does sometimes just have grudges, and just goes on grudges. But it used to be. It used to be when we started playing. It used to be that oh no, I'm sitting next to Ibrahim because it's a fifty-fifty chance he's either going to attack oh, you yeah. for no reason oh, yeah, in yeah, the yeah, very yeah. beginning. Uh, it, like you, one person on his uh, like we'll be best friends forever yes, and we'll get everything and the other person will get the shit kicked out of them for absolutely zero reason yeah. and mm-hmm. just yeah. I mean grudges. Uh, are one of the like most fun parts of also like playing in a in a in a group where like we talked about legacy games last time, mm. but like this is like has its own meta legacy yes. when we play right. Definitely, uh, like so many layers, and we all know so much about how everyone plays. Like we have like like you can say that okay, Mikko is going to have an insane plan that has like forty seven steps, and most of them involve doing something completely illogical. Vaino is going to have a like plan since the two weeks before we start the game. 
and he's going to get so close to finishing it, but somehow just like doesn't account for the fact that people are chaotic as fuck at the table. <laughs> it's a perfect plan, assuming no one does anything. I think I think you're generous in saying he gets close to close to succeeding been, at his plan. He's been he's been very close many times. I think he just like does not account for the fact oh, that other people do. I think we drew a win. Mm. Yeah, uh, maybe. the game the game before last game. This could be the Yeah, they're all they're all molding together. I remember speak like still going back to grudges. I remember having one game where I was I think pissed at Ibrahim from the la- for the last game, and then for this game we ended up being next to each other, and all we did was just attack each other for the whole game. Like mm-hmm. he was I think one of the new races, and I was the T Rex new race that yeah. just eats someone's ships. Yeah, but they and then I just strong. went okay, cool because. I'll just in a one v one fight. I'll just ruin our boat. The fucking dinosaur race is my. Mm. And then I think in that game, whoever was on my other side won because I had no intention of stopping them. I just wanted to ruin his his whole existence. Mm. Um. So yeah, we've talked. Well, we've kind of bounced around. Then the TI three and then some games we played at um, of TI four. So TI four was the well the the updated edition. Apparently the the cleaned up the streamlined the better game uh what do we think of in sort of general terms playing ti3 playing ti4 is there something that in ti4 really struck you as a huge improvement or is it just kind of the tech tree is that is it better i actually know that i say it no it probably isn't better <laughs> i mean it's miles better i it's so much better i don't know i i, I kind of enjoyed jank i yeah i do enjoy jank tech tree. Yeah, but- it, like it's, you're it's, not wrong. Yeah, it's, but it's a lot more streamlined, it's and also, it's good that you can see. Yeah, what your and also do. it's just that it's jank. Like jank is, I enjoy jank a lot in mm-hmm. any game. Like, but jank that doesn't like do anything for you just doesn't. I don't know. That level of jank is just unnecessary jank. I think it also comes to the thing we were talking about again. I keep doing throwbacks the last episode I will stop uh, about how we don't like games that are about optimizing your engine or like about playing on your sheet instead of like playing mm. the social game yeah. and the reason I think Jolnar keeps winning is because the Jolnar per- players thing is just to do deal with the tech tree and like the one time Nico one with playing Jolnar he was literally just behind his iPad with a tech tree in front of him and just optimizing what he was doing with that and I think that does take away from the social aspect of it because if I'm focusing on the diplomacy and the expansion and the social game i will always take a forever figuring out what the fuck is the tech i'm taking or i will just Mm. pick something if like if i'm focusing on the tech tree i am focusing on my sheet and on my game and i'm not looking at what other people are doing so is your argument then you want something so obtuse that you can't work it out (laughs) no i might i'm just now saying that i think it's better like even though I love the jank of the tech tree, and I think we maybe the perfect option would be something between TI3 and TI4, I do think it makes it a more, ple- like it makes the social aspect of the game better just by not being something you need to go super deep into and think three times ahead. I maybe, I don't know. I don't maybe completely agree with that. I don't think like, regardless of what the tech tree looks like, I don't think that I look and focus on it a lot. I like, I'm just, I'm looking at tech just to get tech. I usually get tech because I need, like you need a ship to move more. You need this ship to have ground troops on it or something mm-hmm. like that. That's more of a reason to get tech. Then, or just for points, you need several different colors of tech. You just get any tech in that way. Mm-hmm. What I like about the the best thing about the upgrade is that you can well, you can see unit upgrades, which mm-hmm. makes it a yeah, hell of a lot easier yeah. for everyone to know what their ships hit on, especially after twelve hours. Fair, um, which is just great. The unit upgrades are a separate thing. You put them on your table, on your board, and you're like, oh, these are now better, and these look these look cool. 
and then the other texts are just cleaner as to why they lead to each other. Well, That's that fair. is just an absolute jungle in DI3. And it's, it doesn't improve the game. It makes it worse in, in every way. Okay, here's my counterpoint to that sort of clean, like cleanliness and more restricted tech tree then. Are you worried that in TI4, when you are a certain race, then there is a, then there are preset texts that you should go for? Like your game isn't then choosing from this delicious tree of jank, which sometimes may be applicable and sometimes not. But there is a right tech to buy at every stage of the game, and there. And if you don't, then you're just kind of hurting yourself. That's a mm, that's an interesting. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I guess the biggest change is also that the prerequisite system in four is just that like there's they four different colors of text and they're all just prerequisites to each other's. Whilst in three, there's just like a yellow and a green can be a prerequisite for a red or something like that. Like that yeah. is true. Yeah, or, but that almost. is true in TI four for the unit upgrades as well. Yeah, but you, I, you oh, that's but I do that's think true. that like I do think that so, doing the like the prerequisites being from different trees makes it more interesting. So mm-hmm. I'm now like I'm now waffling between the two options because I think also in TI three there are certain like factions that would like like certain mm. texts are just good that everyone will get and certain factions want to, to upgrade that, yeah. certain things. I think that's true for three and four. I think it's a little bit more obvious in four. I think the the meta in the world, everyone, you can, like, when you Google a race, they go like, oh, do you go red, skip, Zardak, nor, and then green, mm. whatever, something else. I think there's more like the sort of classification of how you're supposed to play it. Mm. But you don't have to do it like that, I, I don't think. And I feel like you rarely end up doing it anyway. Especially in our games. I it's think this is, again, something that is very particular about our games in that I think people are more likely to play their characters. Like everyone is win- playing to win, obviously. Mm. But at the same time, we're also playing very janky things and we're doing <laughs> things that are like... And because ev- because everyone is playing suboptimally, because everyone is drunk from at least <laughs> the fourth <laughs> hour... like Just turn one. Mm. Ah, go on then. We, because yes. we start playing <laughs> at noon, and then we're like, maybe first space here, we're like sober, and then we start drinking. Noon. Yeah, I think that's a very, uh, that's air quote noon. Yeah, we, we aim for noon. Air quote noon means 3 p.m. Yeah. Yes, maybe. because yeah. like at, at noon, we start setting up the game, and then at 1 p.m., the last people rock up. And yeah. then we need to build the galaxy, and then we need to, if we're doing like race drafting, because sometimes we pick races mm. the day off, and then it's a mess, or sometimes we pick them even a week ahead, so people can plan. Mm. But yeah. Last time we played, Tom set up the galaxy uh, beforehand, and I'm very, very much in favor of doing that we in should the future because do I don't really care about building a galaxy. It takes I can't. Long. Yeah, it takes a long time, and I, I can't. And give people it are salty to about the, it. I can't yeah. give two shits about where I put planets, but I don't even know where anyone's going to be. It's such but thinking about. I, I will whatever. say every time we've played TI3, it's been very homebrewy, like because there's two full expansions. We use some expansion things, mm. some mm. not. So I, I've never, ever played the base game of TI3. Even when that's the only one I owned, I changed the strategy cards. Mm. Um, the strategy cards are just a way of getting a particular action that you can do on your turn that no one else can. And I swapped those out for an expansion one. Like, mm. I printed them off and taped them on okay. just because the original ones were mm, let's mixed response. One card that you can pick up just gives you two victory points. Shit. And the game is to ten. And then there's a card that automatically means that next space year, next round, you get to pick the strategy card. So the first two strategy cards are always going to be the two victory point one and and then the strategy card that gets you two victory points next turn. Which means in a six-player game, you know, not everyone 
can yeah, I can have a chance to to do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean. This is something also like I like I've liked that and I've liked the fact that we've had these conversations like we've had like games where we talk about should we use trade from the previous version or the old version like new version or warfare yeah I mean we have tested a lot of weird stuff yeah. in TI3 some very hit and miss I think this is going into the minutiae but like the yeah. um uh, do you remember like the mercenaries yes. playing with those and then the representatives uh, to like just, vote that did just not work for wow. us wow mm. yeah I don't know many people that actually use those like I think, Fully. yeah, in that way, considering that we play TI3 with such a homebrew set and we've tried different strategy cards, it's remarkably similar to TI4. I think I've of tried the to strategy keep it. cards we yeah. have is like they're we're yeah, doing remarkably well. similar to one we ended up choosing is the one that are also in TI4. Which that's what you're doing. That is true. Which I think is a like endorsement of how TI4 was like it was clearly made by people who actually have played the game a lot or played mm. in a similar way I to mean, us. I mean, yeah. I mean, play, play testing. But then they added the like they added some very weird things. Like I think I, how do you guys feel about the the exploration mechanic? Well, this is yeah. Okay. This goes into like TI4 expansion things. Yeah. Oh right, because so it's an expansion. Was, yeah. That's an uh, expansion thing. So, so I think yeah. So the expansions we've played with, I guess, more picked and chosen expansion elements in TI3. And the issue people had was, well, what's the best way to use these? Like, which ones should we use? Mm-hmm. Because when you release an expansion, sometimes people just want more stuff. You mm-hmm. just shuffle in, and then everything integrates. And then all the expansions, pretty much for TI3, you can pick and choose. And there's a lot we don't put in, because my god, the bookkeeping that oh, it would take yes. to do everything. Like if we had space mines, and shock troops, and leaders, and political representatives, and like, <laughs> it's like you couldn't It's move. already uh, so much. Like, yes. like, and bringing, like, we've brought new people into the game as well, which is always like, you give them the 30 minutes, like TI3 in 30 minutes, or TI4 in 30 minutes, who's, is that? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Who, which, which channels is uh, that? RTFM, or yeah. RFTM? RTFM, R- read the fucking manual. That's oh, what it's, is that, is, yeah, okay. that, yeah. Mm. Yeah, RTFM's like thirty min- like TI in thirty yeah. minutes, which is an excellent thing to brief people on. It l- means that it only takes us an hour and a half to get them up to speed afterwards. Yeah, I, it's one of those games where there's so many moving parts, but everything makes sense. It makes sense. Like the mm-hmm. the rules for each thing are quite simple. There's just a lot of things. Yes. is kind of the and the interactions the are thing. fairly like there aren't that many interactions. There, like it's janky, but things don't really interact that much. You can just like they all are very separate systems in many ways. Mm. Except in TI4 and the exploration dynamic exploration mechanic does tie into a lot of things. Yeah, and the, I guess this is then the the crux, right? So we've played base TI4, which did have a lot of elements of TI3 with the expansions already in the base mm-hmm. box. So it had all the races, uh, like flagships and mm-hmm. things like that's Me- already in mechs. there. Me- uh, not in base TI4. That was Prophecy of Kings as well. Is mechs Prophecy of Kings? Yeah. We've mostly played. Really? Play, yeah, we've yeah. mostly played Prophecy of Kings. I. I would have, so think we I only would have sworn. So all your, you know, your agents, your hero, yeah. all that mech, that's all. Oh yeah, that's yeah. all yeah. that. Ag- all the exploration agents and heroes stuff. Are men, yeah. Maybe and, we should play men. base TI four. It's you brought this up I in the chat. Brought this up in the chat, but, but also you have. Isn't the I have a base TI four completely because untouched. The, the one we put, Ibrahim bought the the expansion, and then yeah. did he also buy TI four? Or did someone else? Because we shuffled the expansion into someone else's TI4. It's Mikko's TI4. Yeah, and, and Ibrahim's then, expansion. Yes, or the other way around. So you have an unsullied 
TI4. Yes. Where we could play the base game. Because uh, that's uh, something I've been yeah. trying to get in the chat, people getting on board with that. Because I, at least my mind has changed after playing TI4 with the expansion so many times. After going being, I was very, very excited about it coming out, being like, oh, cool, this is this cool mechanic of like not pick and choose everything you have to play with either everything or nothing you have to mm. play with all the races have to be in all the exploration all the everything because yeah. if you because everything some, some races only else. use mechs and they're the yeah. super thing some yeah. races do exploration and if you play without that that race is useless but it's just i don't know it's been just too much and it's hard it's weird to say that the ti has become too much because it's a game that already <laughs> is too much from the start, and many people would already consider it way too much of a game. So yes. how can you have too much but I think of a game that's already too much? I think TI3 is charmingly jank. Like it is like the way we and the fact that we've set it up as a game for ourselves, like picking yeah, and choosing. I think this is very. It, it does come down to the streamlining and the homebrewing. Mm. TI4 games say. are quicker. Mm. Are they though? <sighs> yes, but I because think... I think people get like I. I think. This is now, I don't know if people will agree with me, and especially about you guys, but like if the people we play TI with would agree with me on this. Hmm. But I think TI4 is quicker because we stopped caring earlier. <laughs> we just, just give up on life. Uh, a bit, yeah, too. because I think like... For me, it, yes, I think there's more, is more, there more points it. available. I guess you have like, you can get three points with secret objectives. Everything's a bit is that quicker. Three points? You, uh, you can have like up to three secret objectives and they're oh, one point each oh yeah that's that's how that so there's works. points in your hand that you can get i think this is something we've homebrewed back into ti3 that you have more objectives flipped to the start yeah mm-hmm. so this is something i've basically retconned back into ti3 because i like it mm-hmm. i think it makes sense yeah um there's more points on the board like getting to mech toll the victory point that sort of stuff which way around is it is the common token economy i can't suddenly remember like which one is the one that's it's easier more, to get it's them? more expensive in, in four. four but you can get an infinite amount of them. Yeah, and the but I thing think that there is more overall. There's more resources in four, so you can also just because of the exploration as well. Like yeah. you can make a planet mm. a lot stronger theoretically. Yeah. yeah, no, but like because I think that means that the early rounds of TI four feel a lot slower and like a lot less is happening because you have the like economy of your actions is so much like slower. Yeah, I. It's just I think TI four with everything. And that's kind of how you have to play it if you have Prophecy of Kings. You like, everything yeah. goes everything, in, everything When you say yeah. everything, you mean expansion. The expansion, yeah. yeah. Every, everything from P.O.K. Hmm. Puck. Puck. Uh, as no Puck. one calls it. No, no one calls it any. Um, I, I get so bogged down to working out what I can do. And that, like, burns my brain to a crisp to do it. I'm sure if you played it super regularly and, like, knew everyone's agent, everyone's uh, commander, everyone's yeah. hero everyone's mech, the things that you're buying commanders for, the asymmetry they've really like dialed up to quite a, like a high level, it, it becomes to me almost unmanageable. I think the more we talk about this, the more I realize I just don't like the agents and the heroes. I The thing is, right, I, I like the idea of them, but, but then the actually reality. having them, I'm like, wait, what can you do? What nuclear power have you unlocked? Yeah. And then if you're allied with someone... You can use my commander. Uh, yeah, could think. you read that out for me? Mm. Also secretly, so no one no one knows that I'm trying to use your commander. Yeah, it's it's like uh, the more we talk about it, the more I am coming down on the idea of either having more TI3 or pl- trying again with TI4 base game. Mm. This is difficult for me to have this opinion because I love Empyrean so much. Empyrean being one of the <laughs> Prophecy of Kings. The new, like, yeah. yeah, the new races did. They they went hard. They, they are hard. they are really like the I new like races them. Are, are really 
fine. But also, yeah, what I think DI has always been an asymmetric game, and some races are better than others, but mm-hmm. it just gets dialed to 10 in TI4, and Prophecy of Kings just dials it up to a million. Like, yeah. some of the powers are just, like, the mm. Hakan nuke power is just something that is, yeah. like, unrivaled in how broken it is. Mm. Like can't it, remember what it is. You can that. build, in one action, anything you want for free. So you could you could build two yeah. wars on your flagship and a million other things that mm. you can do fast. So you basically get, like, 40 resources from nothing, which yeah. is yeah. just... It's a hell of a swing. Yeah. yeah. It's a hell it's of a, a swing. But all of them are a hell of a swing, or can be a yeah. hell of a swing. Yeah, but some of them are... Vi- some of them are quite mild versus that one and i've yeah and like with what tom says like it's impossible to know what everyone can do at the table especially if you have eight people yeah with ti3 and maybe base four it's at least a little bit like when looking at the board state it's like like, oh i want to do this but also tom's over there and he's playing this race i know he can do this i know he probably tries to do this and Mm. he has maybe these texts but in when there's just too much going on i look at the board says be like all right, I'm going to try to do this, but I, there's no point in me planning it because someone's just going to do something weird mm-hmm. that I didn't yeah. anticipate anyway. And it's yeah. like, oh, you've just teleported everything you have halfway across the map because you can. Cool. cool, cool or cool, you have cool, just cool. switched to like two tiles around yeah. Yeah. on cool, the cool. table. Cool, cool, oh, you've cool. landed on my planet. Well, this means that it's also a PDS and now it's a flagship and it's a mech. Yeah. And, and also, also I've also nuked everything. Yeah, it's like, oh my God. Mm. Yeah, it becomes... It's. I like the idea of... See, play, like going from TI4 with the expansion and then going back to TI3, where you have a little bit of asymmetry, you, they, they kind of nudge you in a particular direction. But I think what I like after a lot of misplays, let's say, like a lot mm. of weird setup things, I think we're at a level where the game is kind of above the table. I'm sitting across from you, your ship's a plus one, and I know you've got that awkward ground force power, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's yeah. kind of it. And if you've got loads of action cards, then... Who knows what the fuck you can do? There's a lot of action card stuff. But generally, like, no one's there going, hang on, wait. So this one, this piece interacts with this piece. This has an ability that interacts with this. You can do more kind of open diplomacy rather than hoping that people forget what their powers are. Yeah. Is pretty much how you win in TI4. It's like, oh, you've completely forgotten that you can spawn a flagship there. That is actually the literal thing. Like, because with TI3, it has just enough jank and things are just weird enough and just, like asymmetric enough that you can play your race but you can play it because with ti3 we also played our races more as like the same way we played our houses in King, king's dilemma in that you're kind of you gotta go for it you gotta, you go, gotta for go for it but with ti4 there's your your race has so many things everyone else's race has so many things and mm. the ra- things that you have to remember what your nuke power is you have to remember mm. what like how to set up for it because mm. otherwise you'll have this whole thing that could swing the whole game but because of the fact that you've misplayed it it will not do yeah, anything. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't do anything. But I want to be, I want to be clear when we say like in TI four, we mean TI four with with POC. Yes. Yeah. As, as something. Because as, I think as we played the, like because base TI four, I think is not that different from TI three. No. I think it's like it's it's streamlined mm. a mm. bit. Mostly the the big difference is tech tree is different. The strategy cards do different things, but not to a crazy degree. It's pretty much the same game. It, it's missing some of the charming jank, but mostly it is the same game. I okay. I have a few. I have a few bugbears with TI4. All right. Then I'll then I'll I'll give you my my things of why what they actually improved and why TI why I think TI4 base TI4 is better than TI3. You okay. like well, base TI4. We played like two games ever. Still. But he did pretty well, so that's why. Ah. Was, no, I did. Still, I, I think you've yeah. got completely I mean, free from your I would uh, I would play TI4 again, and I think we should try the base game again without the expansion. But I, I mean, still think it's better. I've already mm. been sold on this, but I still want to hear Tom's bugbears. Okay, the whole like trade good 
commodity thing. I still don't understand that. I'm a beautiful idiot. Fair. If I want to bribe someone, I want to bribe them. I don't want to like have. I don't want to have to have my things that then they can turn into their things, and then I also need a ship next to them, and I can only do that once. On our turn, it's like, wow, you're making bribery really, really difficult. You're making any negotiation or diplomacy yeah. a real headache to do, and it's like. So out of turn order, I can't convince you to do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah with trade goods. That's something I don't like. Also, the whole refresh commodities into trade good things. It's that such a pain. I Whatever switches you need in your brain to understand that. And I know, like, on paper, it makes sense. You it's, make things, you can't do it. But then I'm like, so I'll just flip these? It's, I'm, it's I'm, just, I'm having this. I feel like I'm doing first tier tech support every time we have to refresh commodities. Yeah, I just, it's I just not that complicated. It I really don't is know why. It, my, it, just, it just isn't. It just isn't. It's tiny like, brain. It's like you have, you've got some bananas. You can't yeah. buy things with bananas, but if you give me bananas, I can give you money for your bananas. And that's that's it. Yeah. But yeah. if you have money, you can still just give me money. But then you still have your bananas as bananas and not money. So why do why not just have money? Why why have a two tier economy? What what advantage does that space give into the game? Because oh, space realism, because for yeah, me so. then I hate like one of my favorite things that they changed for TI four for TI three is the trade because I hate trade in TI three. It is cumbersome and it at most gives you one trade good every three turns. It no, is. I was I was happily trading with the Hakan. It is, I was doing I was doing gangbusters. It is practically useless for anyone except for Hakan. For, which is like it's just because no one wants to trade with yeah you're just a war race so no one trades with I you I would that's expect why. this to be Tom's opinion about trade because Tom gets the shit end of the stick on this I will hold my hands up if I'm playing like a warlike race I will put my trade contracts away because they're never gonna no, no one will if they're right my do it so I'm like well trade is now dead to me that's it yeah I'll just but put exactly it away. like the the whole thing of like oh I'll do a contract with you and blah 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 instead of being just like oh we can just trade some like commodities with whoever you're near i think that's a much better way of looking at trade. yeah but then like, you have to trade okay so what about if you're sitting next to two people that are like we're going to exterminate you what's the what's the advantage of you can't then you can't, you you can't how, would the, how would the other trade thing work because you can trade without being next to each other yeah you trade whenever whenever you want yeah okay when is that going to happen I don't know if you most need someone time, to do something for you. Most of the time, you want to make trade contracts with people who are on the opposite side of galaxy from you because there's like we're Tom is on the mm. other end of the entire goddamn galaxy. We're probably I, not yeah. going to be fighting. I know, but it's just and then you give a one for one and then but you lose one anyway just because of trade. So I've just traded, but I get nothing anyway, and it's just there you are, can you can tech up so that doesn't happen. You can take a non-warlike race. And have a better like. It's, it's it's. He'll never do it. I know. He'll never it's, do it. Last game I played as as the goblins, the peacefulest the, race. That mm. no, by no matter how many action cards did you steal by the end of that game? I got that tech very late. The goblins like, are the tribes of Isaril, for the record. Oh yes, yes. yes. Uh, the goblins, the, uh, the spies, the scumbags. I so I I vehemently disagree with you on this, and I think trade no. in TI four is better than it was in the AV. I've always not like TI3 trade. I think uh, it makes sense. The trade sense contracts on... are shit. They give you nothing. It's complicated and I don't like it. I think TI4 uh, like I trade makes sense on the face of it. 
but the fact is that it's not just Tom that doesn't get it. Like like I said, every time, every single <laughs> Normal time, people don't we, understand yeah, it like as 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 we already when we're playing TI, I find myself often being the fucking kindergarten teacher, being mm. like, "Hello, it is now time for the status phase. I will now go through the steps on the thing that is mm. actually also in <laughs> front of you." And even then, I'm like, "Okay, now refresh planets, then return your action cards." Blah blah blah. No action cards. St- like strategy strategy cards. cards. Now like refresh planets, and then. Even then, someone will inevitably. <laughs> three minutes, like like three minutes into our starting the next action phase, someone will be like, "Oh, when like you didn't tell me to refresh my planets." I'm like, "This is usually after just having a sip of beer." Just so like, one, yeah. Just the one. But the like one. the same thing being like, whenever trading is happening, I am just gonna be standing there being like, "Yes, you have your bananas." The other person has your carrots, yeah. and like. Being yeah. first tier, Are you I, neighbors? yeah, yeah. Exactly. Is it on one of your turns? This is uh, yeah. This you is true. Yeah, TI4. But you don't need to. You also don't need to like like. You can't trade carrots with anyone in the universe. But you like money. You can just send no. out, right? No. Yeah, no. you can. No, no. no. You have yeah. to be neighbors yeah. unless you're Hakan. Yeah. But didn't we also house rule that in the last game and say that money can change hands and you could basically do this bribery thing because. Well, I, because, w- because I would always vote for that because I find be- that more... Because, because I agree that that's dumb because you can then bribe people in the voting phase, which just happens in the, the yeah. end of the thing. Because that you can bribe there everyone. Yes. Mm. But I think that last one, or at least one or two against, we, cha- we changed it. Because so it was that so money dumb. can yeah. change hands all the time, but commodities can't because yeah, you have but to like be I just think because the that's the trade part. Mm. But like I think this is actually the thing. I think TI4 has more of the things that have m- require me to be the like first tier support. <laughs> just you know to read through it. I do. I, I do okay. think like it like the exploration mechanic is one thing where you have to like someone needs to be dealing with the car- those extra cards mm. and like Have you done it? Can, do you have things that require mm. you to mm. like do th- mm. different things? Mm. Mechs, also, or something like it is just something that makes it more difficult to play, and especially for new people. And it's even for people who have played it a lot. If you're a drunk, it gets to a pl- place where someone is the nanny. Mm. <laughs> I, I I agree. But both of those are expansion stuff, and This not base not fuck. base game mm. TI4, which yeah. I think it's better. The trade is still I, one of those things, but yeah. Yeah, trade well, is one of the things that's I'll different. But agree I, to disagree. But I don't trade. hate the trade as much as Tom hates the trade. Mm, I just right. like a simple kind yeah. of... I think it's sim- like, oh, here's a here's a card. Do I get money? Mm-hmm. Yes or no? Now I have money and I can spend this money with anyone whenever I want. Mm. It's kind of like, I like that kind of as a, a currency. Yeah, I, Because it's just then another thing of like, okay, so if I want to bribe you... On your turn, I need to get commodities this turn so I can get a ship to you so we can trade through. I'm like, ugh, I just want to give you two money to do a thing. Yeah, but if you don't have two money, you can't give them two money. Yeah, but then I have to put myself in a place where I have to be in a place where I have money and it has to be on one of our turns and we have to have an adjacent yeah. ship to even give you money. Especially the in the turn order thing is just like, I I do agree with someone does commodities thing. It's more gamey, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you actually want a, a clean cut, here are the timing windows of everything that happens yeah. in a mm. game. I but get it. That's not how we play. TI. Well, no, we play a very messy game, I would yeah. say. Um, but oh, yeah, it's just fine. one of those. I don't know. It, it just strikes me as something that I need to like. Oh god. So I, I need to do it, divert whatever I'm looking at or doing to work out. Oh, okay, so I've got this money, and I got to get it to you somehow. It's, I don't know. It's just. It's weird because I've never had this like it's never taken me out of the game to think about the commodities and doing stuff. <laughs> I'm like it's I'm surprised to hear this because it's just it's never been even like a second thought for me to. to I know to people like it. Like everyone's yeah. like, oh, this is such an improvement. I'm like, I yeah, I don't, well, I don't see it. 
I don't see it. Not for me. It's just agree something to else disagree to on this yes. one. Yes. Okay. Right. I, other 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 points that you think that yeah, this was the first I, bugbear. Yeah. The first. So I've got a I've got another hot take. Uh, I don't like politics or how it's done in TI4. So in base game, you did so politics cards. Sorry, the politics strategy card triggers agenda votes. So you vote on things, and it's in the space year. So you vote with the planets that you have left at that time. In TI4, you only do votes at the end of the space year when everyone has all their planets. Hmm. So I would say that it's more tactical in TI3 to when you play the political card, because then, okay, so I'm just going to wait for you to spend all your money, like spending planets, turning face down, you don't have votes. And then when I've got the most votes, that's when I play my political card. Yeah. Rather than TI4, it's like, how many planets have you landed on with votes? You've won. It's like, okay, great. This is true, yeah. I, I, don't f I find that less interesting. Like, so the whole strategy is have planets near you with votes. Yeah. That's, there is no strategy. Whereas with TI3, you can just, just, you can time it so that other people don't have them. You can exactly. play an action card that like, like yeah. exhausts them. You can... There's things that you can do to, even if you don't control the most influence, and you can warp it that you now, because you've picked your moment, you are now controlling the and the changes the that happened due to the political cards take effect immediately yes so you can do, if you mm -hmm. have a political card that will fuck someone over right now mm -hmm. it will fuck them over right now because the things yep. yeah things might still change by the time the politics phase rolls out yeah sure. and then it's risk reward because the longer you wait i think the secondary of politics is you can refresh planets yeah yeah so okay so you wait longer and you might win the vote but then other people can get there money and votes back for other things so i like that i think in ti4 it's like well okay so if you're more warlike mm. then you just it's not win. politics that like lets you refresh planets this is in ti4 in the, no this is ti3 based game strategy cards oh right no not we've never played with those strategy cards. the other one is oh shit you're correct sorry damn it these are shattered empire shattered yeah. empire strategy cards mm -hmm. that is the correct one okay mm -hmm. um anyway but in TI4, you do, at least you do like two votes True. Uh, at the end where you saw there's a little bit of thinking about, ooh, do I like care about the first one? What if the second one is worse? And like, oh, I really need to. And I think TI4 also has, there's points in um, voting. You, we vote, well, there's like two votes. So there's the first thing and then the second thing you vote on like two agendas in a row. Mm. So you might want to save your votes because the second one might be more important or something. It doesn't mitigate it completely, but also there's... I think there's some cards that give you points. There are these rider cards. And I think even some like ad secret agendas that have to do with voting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like one of them is, is, is one of them is really bad. You like you have to be the one that everyone votes for. Like they they're agendas where it's like, oh, so some we vote for who loses a point, who gains a point. Mm -hmm. And you have to be the one they vote. I've mm -hmm. had that agenda and it's impossible. I have an opinion about the like having two uh, like political cards to vote on as well. Okay. I think having just one makes because we tend to like uh, because we are very shouty we when we have the political card and we do the voting on it it is very like we get really into it but then we can do one of those properly in a row the second one is mm. always going to be a bit of a like one of the two is always going to be a bit of a wash the, i think the thing that it's they're just both top decked is yeah. something that yeah it's annoying it's like well I, oh, i'm going to play this really tactically well no i'm not I just have all my planets, mm. and if the first okay, we flip the first one. I don't care. I'm not going to vote on it. Yeah. And yeah. then whatever the second one is, I'll vote everything on. Something. Yeah. 
Like there's less yeah. drama and there's less tactics. I, yeah. I I I agree with you on that, and I think that that's a thing that is worse in four than three. Like because the tactics around doing doing politics is just better. I just kind of like I'm, it. I'm saying that, like um, but I think that it's it would be rare that I would go almost like anyone would actually wait, like do have such a good political card that they would like play their turn to wait to get to play that card and then to get to vote for something that, and then they want to push it through with their planets I, I'm not saying you have to it's just no, nice to have a tactical yeah. option yeah, no, of it is, I, is the thing that I you could that do even, it it is an option but I think it's an option that is very rarely taken anyway so I think it is TI3 it's political system is better but it's not like huge thing yeah, it's, I not, it's, disagree. Not, it's better but it's not like that big of a thing I disagree because I think Hot I tech. do not remember a single really interesting or important vote we've had in TI4. Whereas in TI3, we've had some really like game-changing, like memorable conversations and I'm fights. Sti- I'm still salty about that War Sun one. I'm just I'm going <laughs> to yeah, be taking that I, one to my grave. Yeah, but I I got fucked. That one. Oh, few games yeah, afterwards. that's yeah. Yeah, worse that than you. Yeah, I just lost was, the game that was, due to that. That was pretty brutal. Actually, yes. yeah, that was pretty brutal. And they're very interesting. I think there was one time. When we when the vote resulted in us being like, okay, you pick someone else's action like strategy card, mm. that was so much fun, yeah. and I wish we would do that as a like base game thing every now and then. Do you remember you- the um, the law that switched resources and influences yes. on every planet? I don't remember that. That was a ge- that was like yeah. oh Jesus having Megathor XP game. Yeah, it was the yeah. greatest production planet in yeah. the world. It's but this is my galaxy. point. Like yeah. I think the votes, like the conversation around the votes, is more interesting. The tactics around the votes are more interesting, and the votes themselves are more interesting. Yeah, and you're um, in a position where if you spent all your planets, like oh God, I've got to do some diplomacy right right now because yeah. I need this vote to go my way. I I agree. It's it's uh it's a good point. But and I think it's, it's also a bigger deal better, than better in TI3 than I it think is in 4. I think it's a like it's a bigger part of the game than mm. you let it on. Like I think mm-hmm. it, it is Okay, maybe. It's it's again it depends on what comes out. It's very hit and miss because the decks in TI3 are huge. Yeah. They're a bit more um tailored in TI4. Like mm. they're still I guess they're pretty punchy. Again, I can't remember any votes in TI4 that were actually that really interesting. Yeah. I feel like a, a lot of them are like, give this planet plus More things, something, or give yeah. this person skills or powers or something yeah. like that. Because like, I be- don't think they're as like nerfy or like you can have they're X, not interesting, X many but be- ships. But because you don't decide, you don't choose them yeah, the same way. You like we get like an unfiltered mm. pack of political cards, whereas yeah. in Ti yeah. three you can use the ones you don't give a shit about and then like mm. and then like oh I'll keep that one for yes. a rainy day just in mm. case we yeah, we case. do oftentimes in the i3 though just spend our political cards as money and then we end up top decking anyway like that is like the last game we played I think we top decked all, all but one I well because again it dep- yeah but it depends on what comes out because I had a um, there was some fantastic one. if I was playing a different uh, race mm. yes I would like there would be some fantastic I'd be like I'm keeping that I know exactly if I was this guy i would keep that okay um but yeah just none of them that i picked up basically would have helped i think you my particular thing yeah, yeah. yeah so it's like yeah. oh, i'll spend it rather rather have like money yeah something else I, I agree and it it's it adds something it adds a lot you have convinced me that it's a bigger part of the game than maybe i give it credit but also adds to the game in the parts of like the shouty parts or like the mm. intriguey parts where you have to discuss with people mm-hmm. more than like adding a game mechanic where I have a power that you don't have that I can press a button and then do it. Actually, one point. When was the last time you did Space Balcony in TI4? Oh, in TI4? I think I would have tried it, like, last time, but I was just so out of it. 
I uh, couldn't do it. What, like what? I was just being like I had nothing. And for the listeners, space balcony is <laughs> when you. That'd be a good thing. Yeah, true. <laughs> it's a, a it's the ultimate that. diplomatic tool yeah. that would solve yeah. all the world's problems. Mm-hmm. Okay, space balcony is when you go onto the balcony to have a conversation privately. It used to mm-hmm. be the space kitchen when we played at Tom's <laughs> previous apartment because then there wasn't a balcony and there was mm-hmm. a kitchen that was separate. Recently, we've been playing at Mikos, who has an open kitchen, like mm. living room situation. Mm. So it's the space balcony. I remember it being quite cold, so you got to have quick chats on the space balcony if it's yes. minus ten. Yeah. At your like, if you were to play at your current place, mm. it would be the space solar room, whatever. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Maybe space bedroom. I think yeah. we were just. I space, think we we space went hallway. space bedrooming. Yeah. Which sounds worse than it is. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but like, uh, my point is that like in TI4, we just don't do space balcony because. Uh, I do remember playing TI4. This goes against everything I've said so far. So I'm, I'm contradicting. <laughs> a, nothing could be trusted out of your mouth. <laughs> I'm contradicting myself a lot here, but I remember several games in TI4, even in the base games, not with the expansion, where I just felt like I had nothing to do. Yes. Where I just felt... Yes. I, I, and yeah, I, I don't true. know why mm. yeah. I felt like I had... I felt like I was like, well, I just... I guess I do nothing. I, like, I don't know what to do, but I don't like... But I can't pinpoint... What changed to make me feel like but I have I nothing to do now? When I was saying earlier that I think TI game, TI four games are quicker because we gave up earlier, and I think that's it. Every game someone has checked out, and that doesn't happen in TI three because yeah. it is weird enough and swinging it. Yeah, enough. I think in t- there's definitely been games in TI four where you just know if you're answering, it's like I'm I'm, I'm out fucked. of this. Yeah. There's nothing mm. I can like. Literally, I'm just not not just my usual whinging to people, but like legitimately, I, there's nothing I cannot get anywhere. I cannot fight anyone. Well, I can. But it would just be for the sake of mm. doing and it. And you keep doing it just because you're here and you're going to be here for the next 16 hours. And the other option is just drink yourself to death. But it's interesting. <laughs> it's, always, all, it's always a finish option. Yes. So we've all had that experience. But what is it that makes that? Like, why is that in, happens in the iPhone? I think more it's a combination TI3? of there being more resources, but unevenly distributed. The command token economy being more drippy. Uh, there being too many things to keep track of and there being just so many mechanics around like exploration that if you just don't if you are between two warlike races or if you're in a stuck in a place you just don't have any other way to do it and then this mm. combined with the political action thing being so much less impactful you just have way fewer things that you can swim swing your way yeah and i think it comes down to the points that are open to you is very different in TI4. It's a lot more, the points are the objectives. Well, obviously like public objectives and then you can get like three points with secrets, but some secrets are also impossible. Mm. Whereas I think the way we set up TI3, like we play with artifacts, the secret objectives are chunky. You can always go for a real Hail Mary with a, with a secret objective. Like your chances of getting it are maybe slim, but at least it gives you something. It's like, well, I'll just get a mega army and point it at someone else's home system, I guess. And then if we play with like preliminary objectives. So there's points on the board, there's public objectives, there's chunky secret objectives, there's preliminary objectives. So there's a lot of points that technically you could get mm. without having to read this one card and do this one thing for yeah. two points. It's like, well... I can't do that. Mike. I think that that's a good point and something I, w- I wanted to bring up is that I think whoever wins um, TI4, the one who wins it is basically who can find that like one or two points that no one else can do. Yeah. That no one, like the points that I can get that mm. you can't get. Like yes. getting Megatol or getting first when you get yes. a point in TI4 yeah. or yeah. getting the um, one time I got that 
action card of the law or the something where I could draw an extra secret agenda. Yeah. Secret objective. Mm, yeah. Which meant that I had a, I could get a point that none of you could get. And yeah. I think in it's DI, really in DI4, that's really how you tight. win because, in, yeah. because everyone's going to do their secrets are easier. Everyone's going to do them. The, the other ones come out like slowly and then you're going to be able to do them and everyone can do them. So you need something that no one else can do and usually the person who does that just wins. That's yeah, true. I t- but there's definitely points where objectives come out and I'm like, I can't, no do, one can I do, can't do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like that's it. That's see, except, for, except for Hakan because the late games are always, they either have a bunch of tech, have a million planets or spend spend like way. 20 resources which and, like, yeah, but then and one of those three is something Hakan can always, always do. do yeah but like I think that this is true like in in TI like in TI4 it's either like everyone can do them or no one can do them and then there but yeah we have a more interesting game because there are the artifacts there are things that mm. you can just I just kind of like I like having more points than you need because okay maybe I'm not going to get that level of influence okay I'm not a trading race so I cannot do the trade good objective mm-hmm. But what I can do is fight you and take this planet yes. for a point. And then that at least it gives you kind of... It makes it so much more interesting. Yeah, I mean, it gives you things. But people, I think on the other hand, I can see people not liking that because you should be doing the public objectives. You should mm. have strategies <laughs> that people can see coming as kind of like mm. a tactical play. But I, I like, and me big, personally, and I you, like kind of the more... And you could, if you were to play more of like the bigger ship, like the bigger fleet diplomacy, then that would also maybe be a thing. Mm. But because we tend to like, we can build huge fleets and then we just sit on them for a while. I guess <laughs> Well, uh, yeah. Until something happens, but then uh, I don't yeah, think d- that it depends. Yeah, yeah, it depends. But and then sometimes you just don't have a fleet, big fleet, because you do it otherwise. But I do think that as well. Like I think TI four more requires you to build a big fleet. Yes and no. I guess it depends. I think speed in TI four is more. And to be like when I was playing Imperian, like just having, I think I just had like the small ships everywhere. Yeah. yeah. But even then, I could have just pulled them all to someone. But yeah, it's. Uh, I just generally think. TI4 is more streamlined to a fault where it is like because it is streamlined there are correct ways to do things and there are correct ways to play things and there are fewer ways to win by doing weird shit mm. it's more gamey because I, yes. I agree that the difference mm. in, the, in TI4 is not that I don't I don't agree that you always have to have a bigger no, or, or the big, bigger fleet thing I don't really I think everyone gets bigger fleets because there's more resources mm-hmm. but I think speed is really really key and it's like to win or to do well you have to score points every round and ideally do like if not the secret in the first round then doing like a secret every round after that and a public to be mm-hmm. like up I, with it. I don't think that's ever happened to me like i think I'm, to... i always have the best laid plans but i'm like no my precious ships yeah because yeah. you need to do like you need to keep up and yeah. just keep scoring every round because otherwise you just end up di4 ti4 is the better game ti3 mm. is the better experience Mm. It is like TI4 is a game that we play together and with shouting. Mm. TI3 is us shouting over the game. Yeah, and it also has like a 20-page FAQ. There's a lot of jank in it, yes. but I think it flies because we kind of we've molded it into mm. something that's that's perfect for us. That's over the table. That could be that is thinky, but generally speaking, you know, you can you have enough idea of what's going on, what people can do. You can play it after the, drink, being drinking for ten hours. Yeah, pretty much. Yes. And you don't have to play it perfectly. It's not like oh, I should have got that green skip technology. So Three rounds ago. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, what tech did I buy? Oh, <laughs> hmm. did I need Sawin tools? Probably, probably not. Yeah, probably not at this point. But yeah, I think the like the end result of this is that I think the I I missed the i three. I'm kind of sad. I missed the game that you guys played. 
at the same time, I do think we should give base game TI4 a try again. I, I, I mean, I I'm wouldn't be opposed to it. I'm, I'm very up for that. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a, I think I'm out of us three seeming like the most positive about TI4, yes. just base game still. I feel like we're all against Prophecy of Kings, or not against it, but feeling like it adds things to the game that we don't see as valuable, and we don't value. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. other people who love parts of that, like, absolutely love Prophecy of Kings because it adds things they like about the game. They mm. have even more special powers, even more things to do, and yeah. even more plot, which yeah. is mm-hmm. like, that's what they want, they love it, and that's fantastic. If you like it, excellent. Mm. Buy it, play it as much as you want. Yeah. But I don't think... For me, it doesn't end what I want. I thought it did, but it didn't. And then I think it's we the same for you guys. We were super hyped about the new we races. So we wait waited for Prophecy of Kings so much, and when it came, we were super excited about it. But but I I love like I love the new races. Like it's the fact that the new races come with the different like new elements that I don't like. New yeah, heroes, cannot, new something. That, I know you can't separate them, but if they just released another TI4 expansion, which was just twenty we, new races, I would just take Empyrean in TI3. Could we homebrew Imperial Oh my god! How the hell? I don't know. Work? We would be. I would you like can to. Do it. You, I mean, like you can get custom we stuff can try, printed. But a big part of Imperial is the like exploration tokens in empty it's space. Not. It, I, I think a lot of your hero stuff is like go into empty space and find stuff. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think that was the point. Like I didn't find. Like for me, that wasn't. That was the excuse I used. <laughs> to stab people to, to, to take over it the entirety of the empty space you, like mm. uh, so you would say you would play Empyrean for the like what I assume the mobility for, for the two two things you would do it for letting other people go through you mm. and being able to boost other people's movement yes that are next to you those are the powers you kind of want yes I think those could work in TI I don't, there's not as much movement in TI I think TI4 gets more more ships moving quicker mm-hmm Mm. But but that's why it would also like just be such a like, throwing it in for one game and seeing what yes. happens with the whole group thing would be would be exciting. Yes, could be interesting. All right, does anyone have any final thoughts, final take home hot takes uh, about Ti three, Ti four? Anything they're still salty about? I mean, Let's not so 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 many. <laughs> just started a real therapy session. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. I one, just want to say in the last game, War Sons came for me and no one helped. Uh, Literally no one. I was on my own. You, a little you were, squishy I Jolnar. I, I would have helped you, but I went for my own game, and there was basically a coin flip of whether I would have won that game. Who won the game? Uh, Jonas. Of course. Mm. He, 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 played the, he had the Warsons. But basically, we made it to the end of the agenda deck, or the points deck. What, mm. what are they called? Objective deck. Yeah. Objective. Objective deck. We made it to the end. There was like two cards left. No, three cards left. And in the bottom two was the one that instantly ends the game. Mm-hmm. And I got to look at it when there was three there. Mm-hmm. So I got to get the second last and third last. Okay. And neither of them was the, like, the end of the game. And if mm-hmm. it would have been there, then that would have come out. And then I would have mm-hmm. won because I okay. had the most points. Yeah. Yeah. But then I couldn't hold on for one more turn. Because Jonas <laughs> had all all the like extra points for he was, planets. He was holding all he was, the planets. He was, no one was he going was for it. Race, so mm-hmm. he plunked Warzons on points planets, which is like, well, who's going to take that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then he left them. He left them for like four hours. And Noah went for him. I was like, please. But also, yeah, Ple- but he's coming for my hope system. Please, yeah. just and while he, he's yeah. away. And, and he was playing take next to next. The, he was playing for the first time, but he familiarized himself with the game. But he was playing next to two people who had also never played the game. Which, if you're doing that, then it's just it's so easy for someone to be left alone yes. because there needs to be these checks and balances. Like, yes. like you said, like every time someone wins because a neighbor didn't really yeah. 
keep them in check that much for whatever reason. They didn't know mm. what to do. They were also going for the win in a different way. They tried to game them. Maybe they thought they would win, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we love the game. Hopefully that comes across. Beyond my salt in every story. But I, I do love it. I do love it. Again, it's it's a hell of a day. It's and an acquired it wrecks taste. me for the next week. But, yeah. it's, but I do love it. It's a day I look... Every time we book it, I look forward to it. Mm. Like a lot. Yeah. yeah. And it's just... Yeah. It's just an excellent, excellent game. It's an experience. All right. Well, with that, we'll move on. Okay. So now we'll move on to the patented RPG section of the show, which is what everyone tunes into. Uh, I don't. I skip it. I skip it every week. <laughs> I care not for it. No, I'm kidding, obviously. Um, so we're we're RPG guys. We're RPG players, right? Mm-hmm. We play. We DM. We prep some games. I've been in some of them. And people want to know, do we have any hot takes, hot tips on what we see as an adequate level of prep? Where do we go? What do we? What do our minds think of when we're prepping an adventure? Something kind of struck me last time when we talked about this because Simon kept asking me about like, okay, referring back to like writing a story in your head, like the DM writes a story in their head and then runs that game. And for me at least, that's not at all how I prep games and how, not at all how I conceptualize games. And I kind of wanted to hear about like how you to figure out how do you guys think about the stories in your games or do you prepare them as stories or do you prepare them as for me it's more of a i lay the scene and the story happens but Mm. is there a story that you're writing that you're like bringing your game like players along to definitely for me like because i asked like that i've run a few things that are just like ready-made one shots that i didn't have to plan Mm -hmm. someone else just made it and that's it so i think based on that reading those kind of things i've also just planned like almost like writing it like as a one shot that I would find online where like these this is the setting this is what they can do and this is sort of where they will eventually end mm-hmm. up but doing it like that because that's the only way that I can sort of frame it in any way like mm-hmm. I'm because I'm, I'm not very experienced with RPGs and definitely not running them I maybe I'm afraid of leaving it too open-ended mm-hmm. to just getting to stuff where like mm-hmm. I have no idea and then mid-game I have to like start looking up stuff of like I don't even know if that <laughs> thing exists and then I have to make something up which happens anyway I've noticed <laughs> when you do stuff like even when mm-hmm. I try to have it sort of planned either because I fuck it up and panic and then invent something that I was like oh shit shouldn't have said that and then we just go <laughs> with it mm-hmm. or then then because they do something unexpected which I think is really good but for me at least I think of like okay I almost plan of like they're going to start here then they're going to go here they can talk to these people eventually it will lead them into a the, the boss fight or whatever yeah. happens and then mm. it like ends there yeah to try to keep it sort of small because i've never tried to design like a bigger campaign, campaign or ongoing, anything like ongoing that thing. like just sort of short i was gonna say because i think that that can impact kind of how things are prepped right like if you are going for more of a sort of giant arc i guess depending if you want more of a linear adventure you have to have more signposts along mm-hmm. the way if you were prepping that kind of thing obviously not every every single detail but when i've been going for not necessarily one shots but these kind of like short arc things even if they're like pre-written adventures i'll try and take out sort of the bare bones bare minimum kind of beats there's always kind of beats that you mm-hmm. want something to you know, something needs to happen, I guess, during every mm-hmm. session, right? And as long as I've got the players that are on my side, as in like the NPCs, um, as long as I kind of know what they're about and what their initial interaction with the players would be, 
depending like in a normal scenario mm-hmm. because players will usually meet people in very weird Wait, situations yeah. like setting fire to their garden and then breaking into their house and then shooting them like i'm not going to name any names but christ we we thought the mansion estate you described was a lot more opulent than it then it ended yeah, up that it ended up uh, ended up yeah. being and then the the shot was accidental because we just wanted to shoot him in the leg but the 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 other player rolled phenomenally badly and just ended up shooting this man to death. Mm-hmm. I I think he was unconscious and then you just left him for dead. Well, he yeah, but he had taken such a hit <laughs> that he was rendered unconscious and then we looked at us playing homeless bums be like, "Do we mm. have any medical medical skills?" No. So okay, we can roll for it, but it's one in a 100 mm. where yeah. we could save this. We're like, "You know what? <laughs> he's probably he's probably yeah. fine. It's too late for him." So if we're sort of bearing down more on short, let's go with short games right? because, like, because Simon hasn't run any longer campaigns. I've only run one shots that are within the bigger campaign that I play in. Yeah, and so I, I've tried to like I've done like the basic kind of D and D ones like Lost Mine of Fandelver that mm-hmm. sort of bloomed out of stuff, and then I've started Curse of Strahd, which was a nightmare to prep just because it just because of how sandboxy it is. No, and I wanted to keep it sandboxy. Like, I don't mind linear adventures and that sort of expected trajectory. Like, you could do yeah. something strange, but then something else will happen at the end. Yeah. And my approach now for even short little campaigns is kind of my guiding principle is, like, what will happen if the heroes do nothing? This is such an interesting... Because this is such a, like, very specific way of, like, attacking the problem that I never have. Uh, is it because you have players that actively seek out mysteries and do because things in, because <laughs> in west marches they are in this place because they have decided to come to this place right so this is my first experience with uh, uh gming or dming was all my players run away from everything yes right so i had to very quickly ascertain that like or having a big bad or having something in a scenario something was that will, not enough. Yeah, something that is, will chase you down or box you in. This is what you yeah, had to I, do. I had to, to basically backtrack and improvise of like, oh, they they don't care about mystery. Uh, it's just very... And this is kind of based, I guess, around the setting. So this was um, my first kind of DMA experience was in Deadlands, mm. which is uh, sort of in the weird west, right? So it's the old west, but there's demons, there's things coming through from the other side. So it's primarily kind of horror frontier kind of themed. And you were going quite full on on the horror. Yeah, pretty much. But you do, it's not, I wouldn't say it's like full Call of Cthulhu, which is something Mm -hmm. we've done uh, since then. As in, like, the players have powers. You still, you can still pack a punch. Right? Yeah, we so, were quite powerful and we yeah. could have done a lot of things and just, but I think but we had the... a lot of people who were playing their first RPG and were playing very specific kinds of characters. Yeah, and I was expecting more of, because if you send it, go into D&D, right, like, it's a hero, heroic fantasy, right? You're playing heroes, usually. Mm. I mean, you can be a dickhead. All right, fair enough. But, like, the game is kind of set up for you're a wandering band of adventurers who either do quests or do things generally on the side of good, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of set up. And you have eye-watering powers, like incredible powers to do that. So I think that needs to factor into, I guess, the setup of an adventure. You assume that an adventuring party with eye-watering powers that generally side with good will go and help people. Or are like motivated by money or something else. Like have a reason to be there. Yes. Yeah. Because in our campaign it's not obviously everyone is kind of a good person. And like Well, I mean, I'm not saying like Yeah, but like but kind of yeah, yeah, but like but kind of like has a moral character to them. Mm. Yeah. But even then there is like 
that is the power for me of West Marches that you have a reason you have gone to this place. Mm. And then also having the for the group that we are in, it's also that like, okay, someone in this group has a reason to be here and because it is a tight group, knit group of friends, mm. they have a reason to be there for each other. And that was also something that we didn't have in that game that we were playing. Yeah. It was like we started from meeting at a bar. Yeah. Like meeting at a tavern, which is can work, but it just combined with not having really having nailed down what our characters cared about. Mm. Yeah, which makes it, I guess, kind of more difficult for more esoteric mm. kind of games. I guess you need to kind of alter it for that. So th- that was very tangential, but like mm. just to pop back onto prep. So for those original Deadlands kind of scenarios, I was very focused on when I was prepping, it was just kind of the setting, the scene, and then usually the big bad. There's a big bad, and you that is the problem that needs to be solved. Mm-hmm. Either you're trapped in a place, or hopefully you help a town with their big bad problem. Mm-hmm. With um, more D&D stuff, like the very tropey story that I took you, uh, sorry, Simon, and like a few people through, very, mm-hmm. very D&D, like starting with a goblin fight, ending with a dragon fight, like just hit, trying to hit every single trope. Yeah. The plan for that was basically just kind of locations and things along the way. My prep notes for that were basically just monster stats. And then wherever you went, I was going to throw monsters or encounters. Because again, it's still heroic. You still want to fight things because if you're a 10th level cleric, sooner or later you're going to throw lightning at something. Mm -hmm. So that was the prep for that. And then since I've been getting into more Call of Cthulhu and um, I really, really want to try this Delta Green kind of thing. This is where my sort of design comes back to because they're they're not heroic fantasy there is a situation right your your characters are coming into a situation either invited or just through dumb luck and then it's the way that i'm technically approaching that is like okay if they did nothing what would happen yeah and usually it's bad like the cult Mm -hmm. wins the sacrifice happens you know people die if you don't do something and that for me is kind of opened a lot more avenues of okay so i don't need the players to go here i don't need them to speak to this one person and get this one Mm -hmm. piece of advice because wherever you go sooner or later you're going to cross paths with what the other guys need to do right Mm. like the other side of the equation Mm. Mm. so for a lot of the call of cthulhu one especially was well i i have a parallel timeline for what you guys are doing (laughs) what what my guys are doing Mm. and wherever you go there's going to be sort of overlap depending on what you kind of did i'll admit that only kind of works in a short term well over a short period of time kind of adventure and obviously in a short uh, small geographical location but hopefully it worked because i've run that twice now and both groups did things really weird. <laughs> like no two player groups will do the same things but they were talking to different people and following mm-hmm. different clues and it didn't feel out of hand because you knew what was going to get them yeah, back on track or what would like yeah kind of, i mean yeah. they were always going to find something thing. or someone like ev- everyone had a piece of the puzzle right? and we yeah. kind of and we did royally screw that one up and and tom helped us get back on on track after like screwing up multiple points what was we, the... we were supposed to get leads from and then we just didn't, didn't. do well it. no and I then think... one guy just got himself killed because he just role-played too hard oh wow yeah no that i've never seen someone role-play themselves to death it's, it's like it was counting yeah. <laughs> he's captured by a mobster well he was captured by the corrupt police thrown into jail mm. and then a corrupt mobster came to interview him it's like you don't know anything about my boss do you and he's like yes i know everything about your boss and i'll tell everyone about it. it's like oh my god oh wow you just i mean he's you dead he's okay. dead he's yeah. like i gave him chances to like do other things but i was like mm. i mean to be fair he did have a guess at what their motives were but they were completely wrong <laughs> so fair play i mean he did you know, yeah. invested in the in the role play, which that is, is correct. I, I respect that. I respect yeah, yeah, that. me too. I was like, well, I think he was fine with it. 
I was yeah. like, okay, that was a brave, brave choice. He went all in. Right. But I like this idea or this sort of framing of it, of thinking of stuff's going to happen and like what happens if they do nothing. Because I think that's maybe I've run, well, Cyberpunk was the last thing I, I ran. And also there, well, there you have powers, but you know, like mega powerful. Mm. Like you have things you can do, but the other guys also have. <laughs> I, I have a car. Yeah. That was my mom. <laughs> but the other things, other guys also have things that could just kill you mm-hmm. instantly. Mm. And then getting, so it's not this sort of he- necessarily a heroic thing where like, oh, there's a big bat over there. Then people could just go. I, I don't care. It's about not my that. job. I don't care about that. It's super bat. brutal. I want, yeah, to yeah. Do, I want to do something else. And then you have to be like, because I've, I've been the guy who's been like, I don't care about that. So then <laughs> <laughs> you're like, whatever. Oh, yeah. this is what it feels yeah, like. So this is what it feels like. Exactly. So then trying to engineer situations where like not eventually like forcing them to do something, but like eventually they will end up there, but through different ways, depending on what they sort of did, which mm. was what I was trying to think for the cyberpunk. Because the cyberpunk thing was one that I just almost made up myself. Like there mm. were some, I'd listen to a podcast, no, a YouTube video where they did kind of this and I stole a lot from there. And then I stole a lot from other places and then just made my own thing. I'm going to assume we didn't do what those guys did. No, in that no, 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 no. <laughs> Complete, completely different. But that, again, but also because I screwed up a, a thing royally where like things happened and I didn't expect that I didn't expect what that was good were going to happen. And then I just, just winged it hmm. a little bit from there. And I think that winging it kind of, I, th- I think at some the point, way, but I don't know. But you always, when you're DMing at some point, you need to, to wing it. Like, I, a sort of a rule of thumb prep as much up to the point that you don't want to that you don't mind improvising everything else like if you're prepped up to the point where you go okay now i can if they throw something at me i feel like i could just make stuff up mm-hmm. or i could shift things around like as long as you prep up to that point i think you're fine i don't think there's any kind of hard and fast rule other than do something because this is my point as well because um uh I don't have this experience of having to color the players because, well, except I did try to run the like Genesis one shot to you guys and that kind of like, it, I kept it, it stayed on track. They just kind of collapsed on itself and never was finished. But it's like, that was the only time I've run it for people who weren't like cooperative in that sense. Whereas with like uh, playing with the chasers, which is the main campaign I play with, it's like people are there because they want to be there. And people are like, generally the social contract of this is how we play this game is mm. a lot stronger. Well, it's be- again because it's been going for years. Yes, and like because mm. the people are specific kinds of people who have been handpicked to play in this current campaign yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But I, know, like, I just want to say this is D and D. This is D and fifth edition. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the first game I ran, I was super, super like I wanted to play run it because first of all, it was based on a book that I had been super, super into, and it was just like it struck me the aesthetic of it and the story of it and the like the ambiance of it, mm. yeah. and then I was super deep into the like lore of the one place I wanted to run it in and I spent I got the notes I made for it and it's like six pages of like me figuring out this like underground cult that I have I was doing math on would it make sense for how long they've been there like I was focusing on the place Mm. like the way Mm. I was I didn't have a real storyline of anything that was happening I just wanted to know this place I was bringing my characters into uh, players into so that if they wanted to understand something, I would have a real reason for it. In hindsight, I went super, super, too stupidly deep into this. Like I was just <laughs> figuring out the like the 
logistics of living underground for 300 years and like figuring out which kinds of like vegetables can live under there. So you basically wrote the Silmarillion yeah. about this very niche Yes, character. basically all of and like it's, it had a vivid backstory to everything because I knew that place by like the back of my hand. Mm. And I was, and yet most of the things I really cared about that I think the things I worried about the players caring about and worried about not knowing enough about, they did not ask. And yet I somehow <laughs> forget, forgot to completely like plan, like, like I brought these people in this town on this village and I had an intricate like uh, love triangle between the blacksmith's apprentice and the baker's daughter and like these like the social classic, dynamics of all of classic love triangle all of it like it's, it's like who is friends with whom and like the social dynamics of the whole town yeah. but i forgot to put in a potion maker and then like had yeah, to that's fine this is phil the potion maker yes i had to wing it but i had a list of names that i like like i just i think i reskinned the brewer as a potion yeah, maker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, he was yeah. also, he was I mean, is a brewer not a potion maker? He was, ended up being both. And, and, mm. and like it ended up working out. But, and I kind of went too deep in even the like the mystery of the story and everything. But it did work out. And then, like, like I said, like six pages of notes of like, like the lineage of the like big bad evil guy. And Jesus like, so you like, full out, fully like flush out the. No, like, this is the first one I read. Yes. Of a thing. That was the first one I ran. Then I have the notes for the most recent one I ran, mm-hmm. which is half a page with six names and a picture of a bear. This is more my speed, I yeah. think, of prep. But like the things I focused on, the things I really cared about in, on top of like the lore of the place and the history of the place, and because I want to be able to understand. And this, I think, again, ties to me not having a visual imagination. So I have to understand why things are there. Mm. So I can explain to you what they look like, mm. because for me it's not. I cannot just make it into my head. It has to be like the reason the walls are the walls to this cavern are smooth like this because the people who dug it dug it like this, and the ground is smooth in these places <laughs> and whatever. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, that's pretty intense. Yeah, and but the things I had the hardest time with and things I got the most help with when I because I was running my first game and this is the reason our game has so many DMs is because we can we grow them organically in some ways <laughs> because I could then ask yeah. like okay this person who I is a DM that I have played with and who is not going to be playing in this game that I'm running I went to them and him and asked like hey uh, I have a problem with these things and I said like I'm good with the improvisation of the story and where people are going but my mm. problem is that i cannot improvise numbers for like damage like i have a hard time like i can improvise something happening but i am uncertain about being able to say that this is a reasonable amount of damage that this new enemy that i just pulled out of my hat does mm. or like something happening okay. and he gave so me kind of... a like a list like a growing scale of 2d6 is something something like i have it still because i yeah. refer back to it yeah, yeah. but it, it is yeah i mean they're always useful the kind of damage tables of like how catastrophic exactly. <laughs> the damage yeah, yeah. But I, I i basically look at like the back of the book where there's like a bunch of examples of different enemies so yeah. i just pick like how hard do i think this enemy should be i take their stats and then i just call it instead of calling it like a security yeah it is now whatever i want but this makes copy sense the stats of this thing. especially for D that that yeah. works for a lot of yeah but doesn't really work for our system because the people are we often start games at level 10 and like or level 6 and you go to level 10 and the power like people are very powerful like we have to really homebrew monsters to be a challenge for this group okay yeah mm. i mean obviously in those cases yes. it's different so how much of when you're doing prep, wh- whether or not like this has changed since that first mm-hmm. thing then, so how much do you devote to the lore of whatever you're doing 
how much do you put into the actual mechanics of the scenario? Like if it is picking enemies, if it is that. And then how much is kind of prepping the, the more ambiance, like more different to the lore, but like the setting, the yeah, people, the places. I feel like for me, 99% of my prep is people or like sort of mm. a, like where areas, if they go here, what is here? Yeah. Like who is like here? Who is here? Yeah. What is their name? What would they say if they talk to them? And then like they're going to show, but they could show up in a blazing car mm-hmm. f- followed by police or just show you up have to, to talk know to who you, like you have to know your character the, like the NPCs yeah. and figures then you know how they will react to any situation yeah so like for me like 99% is just thinking about okay so the story is going to be something would they go here they're going to go to this club who's going to be here random people but these are the important people how would they react something like this and that is like that is most of my enemies is like okay if they end up in a fight I just take some stats and be like okay this is what you're fighting yeah I don't know if this is a hot tip or very reductive, mm. but whenever I have kind of a sandboxy, if it's like a little town or something where yeah. they're going to bump into certain people at certain places, list of names and then next to the name, basically one kind of characteristic from which everything else is derived. Mm. So just to give you examples, um, when I was doing the Lost Mine of Fandelva, you go into this little Fandelva town, it's built in the ruins of something that was greater, blah, 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 thousands of years ago. But if they meet like the halfling orchard owner, Mm. she's homely and welcoming. So homely, welcoming. Every interaction, unless they really fuck up, is going to be homely and welcoming. There's like an ex-half-elf, sorry, half-elf ex-like fighter or Mm. soldier Mm. who is brave but reluctant. Like Mm. he's reluctant. He's not, you know, he'll help you, but he's not going to come with you. The, The mayor of the town is angry but fearful. Like he won't like you, but behind that it's because... You're out of town as you're in a small village and there's orcs in the hills, mm. right? So as long as I have like the broadest initial kind of stroke on that and assuming that the players don't like burst in and try and stab everyone yeah. before their first conversation, then it's kind of nice, at least for me, to have just a start-off point of what people are going to be sort of approaching the world with. But this is so interesting to me because I think... I kind of still avoid NPCs because I feel confident and comfortable with my world building and I like making monsters and situations, but I am uncertain about my NPCs. And I realized I've never thought about my NPCs in those terms. Like my NPCs do not exist in relation to how they will deal with the players. They are more like I have given them, like they are in this place and they are these people and regardless of whether or not the players show up, these are their dynamics, mm. and it's more like I, I guess d- if it, I guess it depends on the situation. Like if the heroes are just passing through, then I don't know. If the if the players are in a particular strange place, I guess if it's an underground bone dungeon, yeah, maybe they're not expecting people to yeah, knock on the door and say hello. Yeah, but this kind of, like I just realized I haven't thought about it in those terms. Even when like the most recent game I did run and prep, it was basically like it was more supposed to be on a, one of these um we have some games that we call like guard games or like bar games where it's like the point is that players get to role play and something happens while it's ha- like doing it's like it's very low stakes and it's kind of like more cinem- like not cinematic but like the game is the social interaction between the player characters and the thing that is happening is just kind of like the reason they're there. Yeah, the the end of it isn't punching someone to death. No, yeah. yeah. And in this case, I 
really challenged myself because the game was you are going to shadow a bunch of teenagers, NPC teenagers, and make sure that they don't get into trouble. So it was a lot okay. of me just like <laughs> keep the way for those drugs, like <laughs> drunk drinking and whatever. Yeah, no, but like spying on teenagers, the board game yeah. coming soon. <laughs> But like, because that meant that I had to have like NPCs that were compelling enough that because the point of the DM in that game is to whenever there's a like when the and pay, player characters stop having a conversation, like stop having something to do and interact with each other mostly, you mm. throw something in there. And so I had like a rambunctious teenager named Ransom who ended up getting like she was basically a ADHD child that got her head stuck in a fucking like crook of a branch and shit like this but the players were not involved they were just like watching this from behind lo- multiple trees i feel that that person is a stand-in character for for eater this I, is was, th- I was thinking the same yeah this yeah. was called out by the players <laughs> okay when right when it I wasn't very well hidden this, no. yeah. she was adhd i was like oh it's just you yeah. no, to be fair it was actually based on one of my friends who also is sure sure video, sure let's call that person like me. Oh, yes. Vita. yes the anyway. classic my friend <laughs> yeah. but yeah in that game even in that like the like i didn't expect my players to have to interact with those teenagers but if they had i would have known how they would have interacted with them but, mm. but that was more because i knew the dynamics of that group and those people in relation like those teenagers in relation to each other and mm. the people of the keep rather than I think it would maybe make it easier for me if I had thought about it in the way you just described it. I think as long as, I mean, it's kind of arguing at the same, the same thing from yes, two different sides, different right? Side, like yeah. it's just giving your, giving yourself enough of a, a grain of sand to build something on, right? And just to hook something on initially, just so they're not like, hi, I'm guy number one yeah. and I live in a village and I do village job. Like oh great, I guess it always comes down to what you're comfortable winging and what you're not comfortable winging. Yeah, and, and like I think yeah, I I agree, I agree. But it's always useful to uh, at least have a list of names. Yes. I don't know. The, the names <laughs> are the big thing. I spend a lot of time figuring out names usually. Mm-hmm. But like also one of the things that I spend an insane amount of time on that I c- when I prep games, the way I prep them is that I care that each because I know who the players are going to be. I care especially. Always helps. Yeah, but like knowing the people and knowing the players and knowing the characters and just I am preoccupied with making it an interesting game for all of those people, like trying to like give them something that they're into. Yeah. And I, I sometimes I miss, miss shoot with this a lot because in the first <laughs> game I had a barbarian and a fighter and then a monk and a, I think, sorcerer is what he was based on. But like I was focused initially in the, this bone dungeon in giving them something to fight. And then I realized quite quickly after I had given them my bone work, like like clockwork skeletons that just died because one of the guys had a big hammer and I forgot that like undead, especially skeletons, are extra, extra vulnerable to ba- smashing damage. Yeah, so but that, I, I think that's good. Like, yeah. Okay. You're, it, a, you, you're a guy that's very good at this particular thing. Yes. All right. You're going to maul whatever I can throw at you. Yeah. Here. And that was nice. it was super fun in the end and then in the end it seemed that like, it was enough that there was something to bash and then from then on it was more about the like the mystery and the like social dynamics of the situation but mm. so how much so you kind of mentioned this but then how important is it if you were planning something either from scratch or a pre-written thing how much would you tweak it or how much would you want to know what your players are before the scenario 
I tend to want to know quite a lot, but then again, in the latest game that I played, I found out the name of one of the characters the night before and like didn't know their class until well, that I mean, day. Like, within within mm. reason, yeah. But like the setup, I get. I mean, knowing what we picked for the cyberpunk yeah. thing, I, even yeah. though that was only like kind of a, a short little mm. kind of heist yeah. adventure. I, I I can't remember now if you told us to not pick certain characters or to pick uh, no, certain I didn't, things. No, I, I, I didn't tell you to pick certain characters, but I didn't like want to know what characters. Yeah. Who would be mm. because that helped me like one tie into the story of like why You're why there. do you why do you end up in this mm. situation because you guys ended up in a situation where you now owe someone money or owe someone things and you had yeah. to do certain things so knowing what you guys are to get like an, a some sort of hook of why you're here, yeah. why yeah. you would know I- each other. And then because I just find that more interesting than being like, uh, you guys are now in a place. Yeah. And now I, I completely agree. And, and I, I just like that little bit of like, oh, well, now you guys meet because you've been doing business dealings mm-hmm. together and you know Tom because Tom's your old driver and now yeah. you need to get to here. So who would you call? And yeah. he could be like, I don't call Tom. I call my other friend. And I'm like, Fuck okay, you. fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that also allows you to give so because Tom was playing a nomad who basically his power, he has a car that's tricked out with things. So then I put in more things which like, oh, they have to drive to more places. They actually mm-hmm. have to mm-hmm. drive now through the combat zone where there's going to be more yeah. weird things being able to happen because one of them can drive. So in the, the final fights, I improvised the flying armor vehicle that just came in hoping that Tom would go for it and try to fly it because he should be able to do everything. And he did just that. And it was very, very funny. Mm-hmm. Spoiler, so, I couldn't fly it for shit. No, but he... I was he, rolling absolute garbage absolute garbage everything I tried to do and then the other characters also being good at like negotiating being good at like techie things so trying to put Mm. these kind of things in so that everyone gets something they're good Good at at. Mm. because if we just put you guys in like a massive like shooty shooty fight fight and none of you guys are really that then it's like okay well I'm not really because they come there wanting to the RPG you're role playing something you want to role play you've chosen a character for a reason Mm. and then if I give you no chances to do that yeah. And yeah. it's like Tom, it Tom has a car and it's like, well, you're going to be climbing in this building for mm. this entire time. You never get to see your car. And it's like, cool. Why Why do I yeah. play a cool car? I, I potentially have a very contentious thing to say then that like the player party makeup or starting material is less important in heroic kind of D&D scenarios than it is if you were doing more tailored kind of more horror, more story mm. kind of things. Like because a generally, <laughs> by general rules, D&D characters are very good at killing things in different ways. Oh, you summon fire, great. You have a big sword, generally. So it doesn't matter, per se, the mix. If you're just putting on a... And I'm talking more about, like, tropey heroic adventures, not Mm. RPG odysseys. You know, if it's just just role-playing, you know, following some kids. She's just role-playing being a perv. Yeah, yeah, just... This is clearly what I was doing. Yeah, it's weird, weird that 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 came up in the game. Um, But especially for, like, the Call of Cthulhu things i think you could be whatever you want but you're <laughs> spoilers the depression is on and you're homeless is kind of the setup so yeah. whatever you bring to that that is the starting point that i can then like filter things Every, the lens of society is you are viewed as scum yeah is kind of uh, uh, that and then it gets even more specific when i'm trying to run um, the uh, the delta green thing is where that is the 1920s um we go for like an adventure somewhere in the jungle. The, the Delta Green. No, the Delta Green is the one where that he has the massive book for where you're oh, like... What is the other one then that you were talking about? The one where we have to be like 1920s explorers. Oh, that's um, that's still Call of Cthulhu. Okay. But you're that's more kind of pulpy. That's more okay. sort of global adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Fighting down De- Delta, Green, Delta Green is the 
Delta Green is like the king in yellow, and it's the, the setup is that you are agents in this shady government agency. Well, you're real people, but you are called up, like you were summoned in a very esoteric, mysterious way to do a job, right? Like, so if your expertise is, you know, you're, you're a doctor. But it gets more specific in terms of like planning the game for Delta Green because... Yes, because you have to have a certain skill. You would only be called up because, because you, you have, have something ah. for... So I'll tell you, like, this, the setup for this is there's a missing girl in New York. She's an artist. She's left something weird behind. So why would... And then something's been flagged when the evidence was collected when the police were there. And now something's been flagged and then Delta Green wants to send in boots on the ground so people that potentially know New York, know the art scene, know that would have Mm -hmm. something to, you know, like you go, you investigate, you tell us if something is otherworldly. Like, is it still mythos-y? Yeah. Yeah. I see how that would go, yeah. So, but it's, it's quite grim, it's quite dark, but then it has to be a tale of like, you don't have this, oh, a missing girl in New York. Well, I am a 12th level cleric yeah. and I shall summon <laughs> the power of thunder and lightning to solve this crime. It's like, yeah, it's a very kind of low level. And then you have to, it's a bit more kind of social edged. And then basically the whole thing is kind of role play yeah. is because mm. you're so brittle. I am super intrigued by the like. Mm. I've, I've I've seen the book. I've leafed leafed mm. through the book during yeah, a party or something. Like yeah, I was yeah, at your I place. Was, I was after a few beers. I was look at all these pictures. Yeah, like there we... are actual other people in there, and uh, instead of both looking at the like massive book about. Well, they can sort themselves. Yes. Yeah. So then we yeah. get to the the age old problem of scheduling, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and actually getting getting that thing done, and the the proverbial. Well, is anyone free this week? Okay, let's try next week. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that. Forever. Well, we're yeah. still trying to f- finish up a one shot that we started a million years ago. Well, not a one shot, but yeah, a little, yeah. little kind of yeah. little arc. I st- still had a point I wanted to make about the prepping for specific characters and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the thing I mostly did that with that, the thing I mostly do nowadays, because the thing I enjoy the most when I'm prepping a game is I make up monsters and I make up magic items. Like those are the mm. two things that I enjoy creating the most. I care the, mm. creating the ambience of the place, but like. And especially because the players, the characters that we play in our campaign are super powered, and there are some people that are basically an entire adventuring party by themselves. So you kind of have to figure out how to mitigate that or how to make the situation still interesting for the entire group. Mm. So I plan quite heavily the way these like monsters work and the way that they are still a challenge without being complete curb stumps. If I still have like a, mm. if if one player in, ends up not being able to make it due to like scheduling things. Like I might prep the game for this one guy who is completely OP and mm. then he gets Corona and then we are not going to, like in this system, we're usually not going to cancel the game because one person couldn't make it unless they were pivotal to the story. Yeah. And then like the magic items I mostly prep so that I have something interesting that is at least somewhat applicable to the people who are playing and to get at the end, like to find somewhere. But mm. like, So Tom, what do you like prepping the most? Um, if I can get... I guess very broad strokes of not necessarily the law. I don't get very deep on the <laughs> law. The law for me is like, oh, you're in a you're in Velin, the city of shrines. It's been here for a thousand years, and there's a lot of shrines. And then if you ask more questions, I will just pull <laughs> things mm. from my head. So I'm not too worried about the the law at that point. It's more, I guess, key characters and key things that need to happen. Not necessarily you have to go to a place to trigger something to happen. Just you need to. There are certain beats. So as long as there are, okay, if it's D and D, you're gonna have a fight at some point because that's yeah, yeah. primarily the mm-hmm. the setup of the game, especially if you're doing very tropey things. 
Um, so like, how early does that happen? You know, how brutal is it? Those kind of things I'll try and like at least sketch out. For other things, I guess the most important are if, I mean, in D&D, the most important things, because I, I ran a few guys, was just stat blocks. No, but like, what do you enjoy prepping? Um, I kind of enjoy, it, again, it depends on the system. Like, if it, if it went, what I enjoyed about the Deadlands one was trying to make a really creepy mm-hmm. uh, kind of build up to a fight, or at least a chase. Mm-hmm. Something would have been that. For D&D, um, I haven't done a lot of D&D stuff super recently, but I guess the prep would be more the NPCs and the monsters. Yeah. Because the world, I think everyone pretty much has a very formed view of what a lot of D&D settings are. Yeah. So I don't need to devote too much time. It's like, oh, it's an old castle. It's like, tell me everything about the king who lived there. It's like, no one asks. No, yeah. no one really cares. It's an old castle in a wood. Yeah, I think this is something I need to make a point about. Is like, uh, the reason I was so super into the lore, like the reason I have all of that shit about the first game was because <laughs> I was just super into the setting and the place. And that's why my current character is the, the person who was the one person who was found in the cult's like cave. Like because yeah. I was just you uh, invested th- so long now. Yes, yeah. it was just a labor of love because I loved the thing I was doing. But mostly, I don't. Th- I agree, it's not really relevant who the king was, who the castle was. Like, well, I mean, if it comes up, it comes up. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm so surprised that when you've got so much lore that you don't rely on NPCs, because that seems to be the big trope of like. Oh, an NPC. Let me tell you about the last 5,000 years yeah, of this There was not land. a single living person in there except the big bad evil guy. So no, That's incredibly brave, then. So yes. it's just from, like, ambience and, like, feeling how the place is that they would, like, get sort of... Yeah, they like, were, there's no way of really pointing out about the lore. It's just that they can't I find about to, this place. It wasn't relevant. Like, it wasn't really, really even for necessary for them to know about it. It was more just, like, in case something came up for me to be able to tell okay. them why something yeah. is this way or what, mm. uh, to improvise. It required for me to know the place. I think for the D&D adventure, I uh, used the exposition book pretty heavily. I was like, oh, you've got a book of ancient, <laughs> ancient villain history. But you don't have time to read it now. It's in Draconic. <laughs> You'll, it'll take time. Yeah. And then it was just like, well, if you think of a question in the future, I'll see if it's in the book. Yeah. yeah. You know? It's so in the Call of Cthulhu, it's like, oh yeah, you've got these police files. Uh, you can read them later on. <laughs> it's like if any, if anything comes out, like you've got to ask questions. Yeah, that could be in the file. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That sort yeah. Of thing. yeah. Give them a, if people are interested, then you have an avenue to. You know, yeah, and we use that quite a lot in the like in the larger scheme of the like campaign, mm. in that you have books that you kind of like end up finding out yeah. about. All right, then. We have a few minutes. We in, our, in the dying embers of this podcast, does anyone have any top tips for prep? Any take-home messages? I would like to recommend re- watching the Matt Colville running the game like YouTube yeah. things. They are excellent. Yeah, he's so good. He's so good. Bit, a bit of old-school sort of approach to D&D, which mm. I kind of like. And like I, not too from Lake. Yeah. I don't know mm. that person, so I'm... I'm, I'm you should watch them. I'm gonna check yeah, just spend hours, yeah. hours on YouTube. I like Brennan Lee Mulligan and everything he does. Ah, oh, Dimension Twenty is like, also. He doesn't. Good. I don't think he does like guides or anything, which is like he does like interviews. He, yeah, and he's stuff an incredibly that. great. His, his improv mm-hmm. is he insane. He's, he is, is insane. Yeah, but he's also like a comedian actor, <laughs> like whatever. Like mm, he has yeah, stand up yeah, routine. Yeah. So I guess then you're also going to be pretty good at improvising. Commanding things. a room. Yeah. yeah. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Maybe we can talk about our favorite jibs <laughs> <laughs> and just fangirl. Uh, in a future, a fan, future a fan girl episode yeah mm-hmm. yeah all right well with that i'll thank you for listening 
dear listener, and I'll thank the greatest board game minds again that were available when I when I threw, threw them in this room from the street and asked them to talk about board games and RPGs. Uh, thank you, guys. Is this technically our Christmas episode? If so, Merry Christmas and uh, a Happy New Year to everyone. Depends Tom. on the edit, but and depends on when you listen to this. Yeah, and Tom is definitely wearing the like Christmas sweater, so I think that is that is true. It, this is you're and you're, you've got Christmas nails. I'm sure that's come I through do have on Christmas the nails on the podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all these fashion things are just oozing into the mic. Both of these yeah, are in the picture I took for the Instagram. Both, okay, and they're fine. both very aesthetic. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is our theme. Isn't Scythe great? All right. Yeah. <laughs> one, 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 one more mention: the probability score of TI is minus a million. Oh, it's the yes. worst. It's the worst pub game. No. Never take that to a pub. You'll die. All right. And on that bombshell, uh, we'll say goodbye from the studios. All right. Bye 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 bye.